0: And enjoy the podcast. And welcome back to the Black Psychologist Podcast. We want to thank everybody for listening. Welcome. It's episode 10. So appreciate everybody listening, watching, and rocking out with us. Uh, I am one half of your host. I am Dr. Kyle Osborne, your host and clinician. And of course, I'm not here by myself. I'm here with the one and only every woman's dream, every man's nightmare, Dr. Jason (laughs) COVID. You <laughs> be yeah, all good brother. <laughs>
1: yeah, you are. What's up bro? How are you? So you're good oh, yeah, a- good. A-
0: at the beginning of another week here we are. We want to thank everybody again for listening. Here we are. Again we're on YouTube, we're on um Spotify, we're on um iHeartRadio, uh Apple Podcasts, uh Google Plus, Podcasts, how- everywhere so yep, yep. definitely appreciate everybody listening we see the the number of subscribers is continuing to grow please continue to comment uh we appreciate all the feedback from you guys so um yeah so here we are back for another Ep- one
1: episode 10 uh definitely thankful for everybody who, you know took the time to listen um again please continue to um subscribe like the videos um or just listen um but please you know leave a comment suggestions for the next one or just a comment on the topic um but yeah man it's 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 number 10 man
0: it's number 10, 10 so that's good, it's good. And rolling man and uh yeah. before we get into the topics uh you know i want to start off and give a quick acknowledgement to unfortunately there was another uh death uh another loss in the hip-hop community last week we we talked about the life of dmx and um unfortunately someone else that was also during his time of um you know uh, in the late 90s early 2000s black rob we got news that he had passed away unfortunately due to some health issues that he had been uh battling and dealing with mm-hmm. over the past few years so you know most people know black rob for uh the hit song whoa and uh he was part of that that bad boy movement of the late 90s early 2000s you yeah. so, know you know another uh you know another hip-hop artist gone way too soon. So I uh, definitely want to, you know, express acknowledgement, condolences and thoughts and prayers to, you know, to his family and anyone else that uh, was affected closely uh, by his loss. So I just want to throw that out there.
1: I mean, that's a fact, um, you know, definitely that was, you know, disheartening news to get um, again, when you think about bad boy, you can't think about bad boy without, you know, black Rob, um, just me personally, uh, listen, man, can I live And life story was one of my two favorite songs, you know, period, you know, um, joint with, can I live with the locks? I mean, and black Rob is one of the, to me, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, a it's just a classic joint and it's one of those songs that it brings you back to a particular, a specific place in time. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's the, that's the thing about music, right? Um, and a lot of people can relate to "woe," so I'm gonna just talk about whoa That was that wasn't necessarily my song like that, but you, you I know, didn't a lot of people out there doing this. I mean, I, to- mean I was listen in it, when it came on in the club, I got hyped like everybody else. There you it go. just wasn't, you know, I just had other other joints in the catalog I like. But my point is, most people can think about whether they was in college or whether they was this place or that place or spring break when you know when that song was popular. So, um, yeah, definitely condolences to his family. Um, and again, it's like. You know, you know the the, the impact that these hip hop artists and and just the art form in general has had on on so many of our lives. You know, and it's kind of like you see that after death, right? Because nationally and in some cases internationally, you know, they're celebrating these people, you know, um, who who've been our heroes for a long time, at least some of us. So definitely want to shout that out. We get into it, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, you got to keep in mind in in both situations with X and with uh, with Rob is that they're young. Talking, these guys are in their fifties. So, um, you know, we definitely want to continue to emphasize everybody. Please make sure you're taking care of yourself with your health, um, because you know this health thing is real. It doesn't discriminate. It absolutely doesn't discriminate. And so, people, you know, a lot of people are dealing with a lot of health issues, and you know course, with COVID uh, being the most prominent, but just our, our overall health. So, guys, we definitely want to express and, you know, emphasize, you know, please make sure you're seeing your physician, getting things checked out, getting blood work, because this, this health thing is, is real and, and, you know, it's not promised.
1: Especially for Black men, you know what I mean? Um, shortest life expectancy in the United States. So, you know, um, definitely something we need to take care of. I mean, we're going to kind of talk about that, too, when we get to the second article, Um, Just kind of starting first, you know, um, kind of seems like we revisiting this topic a lot. Um, But again, another police shooting of an unarmed black man, 20 years old. Um, uh, We've been in Minnesota a lot, right? Um, This time it's in Brooklyn Center. Um, Everybody's aware of the George Floyd trial that's going on right now, kind of um, hovering over this whole thing. But basics, you know, we all kind of know what has happened. Most people probably have seen a video. Um, Dante Wright, you know, he was driving. They say he was on the phone with his mom. He got stopped for expired tags, traffic violation. Um, you know, you see the officer get him out of, out of the car. At some point, you know, he starts to kind of resist and, and, and run. Um, and then you, then you see like a couple of other officers into the picture, you know, it's a struggle. You hear the female officer, you know, threatening to taser him and then the gun goes off, right? Um, again, the, the controversy here, and we've seen all the memes, you know, on on Instagram about what does a taser look like versus what does a gun look like, right? Um, so we have a lot of different issues in this case, but what, what did you think about it first? Another, another unarmed black man, 20 years old, killed without a weapon. I, I haven't seen a gun. Did they find a gun? No, nah, not to my knowledge. Okay. I was just making sure that I was still conscious.
0: Um. What, of course, through the, the, you know, like you said in the video, you're, you know, she, the officer repeats, oh, I think I shot him. I think I shot him. And what the thing, one, the fact that, you know, we're we'll losing another young black male um, to law enforcement, right? And what I kept seeing also, in addition to the memes, is the other side, right? You see the other side of people that are standing up or that are arguing against the fact. And they keep saying, well, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. And my thing is, how many mistakes are, are is it going to be, right? How many mistakes is it going to be where an African-American, Black person, male or female, is losing their life, right? So it's, oh, I, I thought it was my taser. You know, in other situations, oh, I thought the assailant, when Breonna Taylor, I thought no one else was home. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought that all the, You know, I didn't know that the person couldn't breathe. All these other mistakes that I continue to hear. Well, each time a mistake is, is is taking place, quote unquote, somebody losing their life. So that's the issue that that's, you know what I mean? It's getting old. Um, I don't buy it for it by any means, you know, because a life is being learned. So if someone makes a mistake, they're going home. Another, mis- you know what I mean. On the other end of that is that someone lost a life. A whole family's life and framework has been completely changed. So right. I don't, I'm not buying the, the the mistake because it's costing people's lives. And even right. more of this is that this was a, a a training officer that was assigned to you know showing less trained officers right what to do. So right. this, you know that's that's the most disheartening, or well, not the most disheartening, but that's the even more um, you know. I mean, all of them kind of like you had someone who's supposed to know what to do. So you're going right. to you're making this mistake. Right. So that's that's something that's even more troubling for me that I just don't buy. Man. And I'm tired of the mistake. I'm tired of excuses being made where you make a mistake, quote unquote, but someone else is living their life over this mistake.
1: I was in a rush this morning. Right. To get to work. I put on my brown belt instead of my black belt. I made a mistake. That's a mistake right? Mm -hmm. Cashier gives me back 50 cent instead of a quarter. That's a mistake, this is incompetence. This is incompetence. She would know if she, if she grabbed her handcuffs, she would know it wasn't a service weapon, right? The, The reason why those memes were making rounds the way they were is because of how absurd the argument is. I thought I'd tell no, you shot him. You know, you shot him. Yeah. And now we playing Monday morning quarterback in terms of trying to try the case right there on the side of the road, right? Because you've taken somebody's life. Um, but again, this is what I think. This was the traffic stop, right? So there's a traffic violation. The kid was supposed to get a ticket and go home, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they said um, they stopped him for expired tags. I'm looking in an article that's saying that the, the DMV has a backlog of three months. So there's no telling that even if he wanted to, there's no telling that he didn't try to get the expired tag taken care of, right? Right. And then there's no, that nobody knows if he tried to whether he would have been able to do it, right? But forget the tags because what we're, what we're really talking about is the bigger issue of black life being cheap in America, right? Because... I watched a video of a, of a guy in a car, okay? And a lot of people have probably seen it in a truck. This is a Caucasian man, drag a police officer around a parking lot this weekend mm-hmm. with his the, with the cop hanging in the car. And they arrested him without harming a hair on his head. You understand? So what we're talking about is black and brown life is not valued in this country. Right and like I had mentioned to you before it doesn't first of all it's an unarmed black man being being killed I don't want to hear the the argument on the other side about comply, comply, comply doesn't matter right because if we look in Chicago this weekend we got Adam Toledo he complied, he turned around dropped the gun, put his hands up and got shot in the chest Mm -hmm. so with some of these police officers it does not matter they have fear, the face is what they're they're scared of. Right. You know, this face and your face. And unfortunately, we've been dehumanized in this country to the point where they can nail on your neck for eight minutes in public and we'll be having a debate about whether you caused your own death if you're George Floyd, right? Because if we if we go by the narrative here. Derek Chauvin made a mistake too, right? There's too many mistakes going on. And the mistakes are costing me, my children, right? My nieces, my nephews, right? So again, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but I don't know if it would have made a difference if you would have complied. I don't know. The kid in Chicago dropped the gun, turned around with his hands up and got shot in the chest. I don't care what he was doing before that. The officer said drop the gun, you drops it gets shot in the chest. Somebody explain that to him. Black life is cheap in America.
0: And like and I don't, I'm I'm also tired and frustrated and, and kind of exhausted from hearing the uh oh, it's just a few bad apples, right? It's just a couple bad apples. Well, no, you know what? in, in a situation such as this, right, where you have the training officer who's showing these other less experienced officers of how to handle this this traffic stop right? right and if this is what is being trained if this is what's being you know fed down to less experienced officers you don't have bad apples you have a rotten tree right she's right? a 20
1: 26 year old 26 years on the force
0: mm-hmm. and, and if you're training here, here and here's the thing i'm never going to sit here and pretend to be you know, law enforcement and, 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 you know, act like I go in the day in the life or anything of that nature. So, you know, I took it upon myself to say, all right, well, let's let's see how, you know, since it was a mistake and she has all this, uh, she's a training officer, she has all this year of experience. So looking at, you know, what research and law enforcement have said as far as how is it difficult, or is it easy to mistake in your your taser from your gun, right? And okay. you know what? Uh, yeah, no, that that theory was not supported at all. You know, right. across the board. They say, I mean, a lot of researchers and other law enforcement stated that it's very difficult, you know, for you to confuse the two weapons. One is bright yellow and it's lightweight. So, <laughs> right. The other one, again, gun, if anyone's ever held a gun, you know how heavy it is compared to right. everything else. Right. And most officers, especially senior officers, wear it on the opposite sides of their belt. Right. So they wear the taser on their offhand and they wear their handgun on their dominant hand. Right. So if you're training, right, officers that do have all this experience and I would imagine she would be practicing. So, you know, and that's that's the whole point of having the taser on your offhand. So you don't make the mistake. Right. No, like, let me ask a lot of difference is like, oh, if my if my taser is on my left hand, you know, or is on my left side, then I know I'm going to grab on my left. hand so, you know, what, what gun you're pulling out with. Right. I don't want right. to hear that. I made a mistake. Like, no, no, like I, I'm not buying that.
1: I'm glad you did that research, right? Because that was a learning. A, 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 that was a learning, you know, experience for me. Now let me ask you this: How long did it take you to learn all that? How long at all? An hour? Not long at all, if that. She been on the force twenty six years. You just taught me that, <laughs> right? Listen, it's incompetence. It's in, it's incompetence and. To even say it's incompetence is letting her off the hook, to be honest with you. It's a culture of, it's. A, it speaks to a bigger issue and it's a culture of black life being cheap in America. And you can extinguish a black person, you can murder them, a black or Latinx person on camera, okay, and then paint them as the crazy drug addict, the crazy gang member, the crazy person, right? Even without a gun, right? Mm-hmm. Go back to George Floyd's trial. Go back to Eric Garner's trial. There's not, listen, it is not, it's not out of the ordinary that we see similarities in both of those trials, right? They spun a narrative that these were two out of control, crazy, intimidating black men, right? You go all the way back to Mike Brown. He had the devil in his eye. Remember that? Yeah,
0: yep.
1: The police officer said he had the devil in his eye. So this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with individuals who are policing our neighborhoods who are scared of us. And they have lethal weapons, you know. Um, and again, we've already been dehumanized in this country. So that's why it's so easy to kill us.
0: Yeah. They made it OK for you to shoot black people and you'll be fine. You'll get off. You'll go through whatever right. steps and whatever right. things. And you're going to come out on the other side of it.
1: Right. So. I mean, I ain't really got too much more to say about that. I'm sure we'll be revisiting this topic. But again, uh, like I said, this dissonance I have all the time because I talk to teenagers, African-American teenagers, Latino teenagers about how to deal with the police, okay? And I'm going to be very honest with you. I do not tell them just comply. I give them advice, good advice, Mm -hmm. but I never tell them just trust whatever the police officer tell you, and that's going to be OK. Right. Nah. Because I can't say that in good conscience. I, I can't say that in good conscience. I have to just talk to them about my experiences and what have, what has helped me through certain situations. You know, um, but I don't know because I know my trust level is very low in law enforcement.
0: And no, it's more unfortunately, it's, it's to the extent of survival. Right. It's like this is how you survive a police encounter. Like, right, And it's almost like it's scary and it's it's really it's disheartening to say, but it's like you're hoping that this is going to go well, right? You're hoping that you're just going to go through no issue, but you don't know. Even if your papers, like it used to be a thing where like, you know what, when I got pulled over, like there was some relief of that. You know what, all my papers are straight. I got my insurance, my license, you right. know what I mean? Everything is straight. I'm good. So this should go without an issue. I don't feel that way anymore. It's been a long time since I felt like that. And I feel like the book that my mom gave me when I started driving, The Driving While Black, right, that book that she gave me is just as important as it was then, even more now. And in fact, that book might be outdated because everything that I read in that book doesn't make, it won't make a damn difference if I go along with everything that was instructed. And and that book was very helpful because it was very enlightening because she gave it to me like this. I got to teach my son how to survive or how to deal with encounters in the police, but every that book is outdated. Everything that, that they talk about, the content of that book, it doesn't matter, unfortunately, because like you said, like you can do everything you're supposed to do and things can still go left, right? You could still end up losing your life.
1: Right. Bro, the, the law does not work that way. Police officers have to approach every encounter like the person they're uh, approaching is going to run. Right. It's, 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 it's my God given right to run. It may be against the law, but I can run. Now, in response to me running because you can't keep up with me, you can't pull out your service weapon and shoot me in the back. You can't get angry with me because I made you run five miles and then shoot me in the back. Mm-hmm. Right. There's still rules that you have to follow. So my whole point is the kid gets pulled over for tags and he decides he don't want to go to jail that day. and He want to wrestle around for a little bit. I saw three police officers out there mm-hmm. and he's dead. I saw three police officers out there and he's dead. And from the video I saw, he looked like a child to me. Yeah. You, you could have subdued him. Yeah. So that's why I said, let's move on because we're not really debating facts here. We're debating like, we're debating to me a bigger issue.
0: Yeah, so we we'll um, stay tuned as, as that continues to unfold and information comes out. So, you know, um again, uh hearts and everything and, and thoughts and prayers go out to his family and that whole community in Minnesota because it sounds like Minnesota definitely has a problem. Um, yeah,
1: they're going through a lot right now.
0: Absolutely. So um so moving on to a um feel good article that that came across. Um so there's been a growing number of black yoga practitioners who are viewing and using yoga as a way to um, for for black men to address emotional and physical health disparities in their community. And um, I got to say, man, reading this article, I love it. I love everything about this. You know, uh, you, you alluded to it a little earlier when we talked about uh, health, right. Especially with black men, you know, lowest life expectancy. You got, you know, we're Mm -hmm. 60% more likely to die from stroke. 30% 30% more likely to die from heart disease, 10% more likely to experience psychological stress, and unfortunately, a way higher probability to die from law enforcement, as we just talked about. So, um, I'm, I'm loving this, man. I'm, I'm happy that they, um, that this article came across and you got more individuals getting involved in, in yoga. And as they call it, they call it uh, Broga. Yoga for brother. So I, I like this idea, man. I'm I'm happy to um just came across your desk. What did you think about it as you were reading through it?
1: Um, I mean, I thought it was a good thing, you know, p- partly because like I've experienced it firsthand in terms of, you know, they were just talking about like the medical psychological benefits of yoga. Um, you know, we all know we've talked about it on here before. Yoga is a form of mindfulness. You know, focus on you, you know your breath, concentration, being in the present moment. Um, and all of the stretches and different, you know, different things, I'm not gonna act like I know everything about it, you know, are kind of built out from that concept, you know. Um, but just under the umbrella of, of mindfulness is very beneficial in terms of stress release, uh, stress relief um, and stress, anxiety, depression, all of those things. Um, and then if we look in our community, when we talk about high blood pressure, diabetes, eating habits sometimes that aren't so good you know, getting our body moving um and kind of getting that kind of work in, you know, it can just help us in a variety of ways, you know. Um, and they were, they were just kind of talking about ways, I guess that these instructors were making it more culturally relevant, like yeah. images on the walls and the music and stuff. Um and I, I think that's a good thing because listen, I I practice vinyasa yoga, hot yoga. Um I like it, you know what I mean, but I'm not gonna lie, like I'm always the, the only black man in there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, nine out of ten times, I'm the only black person. You know, sometimes there's one or two females in there, which is cool. I, I I don't feel comfortable. You know, I'm. I mean, I don't feel uncomfortable. I'm used to that from graduate school and and every other place I've been. You know, in, in terms of higher education, but um, in terms of creating these cultural sensitive spaces. I think it would make it more inviting, you know, for individuals from our community to kind of engage, you know. Um, yeah,
0: I, I like the I like that aspect of things, and I also like, um, like you just talked about it. Like you're usually in the minority when you're doing yoga, and, and I feel like that's also uh, a common myth and you know a misconception that yoga is only for a certain class of people, right? Because a lot of times, one, you only see yoga in certain neighborhoods. So, you know, when you have a situation where a certain certain activity that, you know, has been shown to be so helpful physically, mentally, emotionally, and it's only being offered to one particular demographic of people because it's only available in a certain area, then we have a problem here. So I'm happy that, again, like they made it more inviting so like you said, they have the music they have on, on the wall. Um, you know, you're not being judged over your physical appearance, right? Because as you see, like usually on TV and movies, you, like you said, you see yoga and it's only, it's predominantly with, you know, white people, male or female, mostly female. And so I'm happy, like when they talked about an article, like the person, a person is coming in and not being judged by their appearance, right? You can be able to come in here with some ball shorts, a t-shirt, and you're able to do your thing, Right you're getting that sense of community right when you see people around you and that's what draws people in like so you're doing away and you're mitigating that preconceived mold or notion of what and who yoga is for like anything that can be helpful to our community to people in general we should also be getting that exposure so i'm happy that they're making it like you know very user-friendly the atmosphere and the culture is inviting and it's like you know it, it's it's bringing people in and you know that's the way it's supposed to be and and one of the intangibles that they really that i, I really appreciated was that they offer free health i mean uh free child care right, right. So they Offer free child care yoke free yoga mats uh i believe it's like through a donation or anything that you're going to pay like it's, it's really cool and it's really inviting and, and friendly because you know, when we want to do these things, right, that's one of the barriers that gets in the way, right? You want to get healthy. You want to maybe try yoga. You maybe want to try Zumba or these other different, you know, um, treatment things. And, and But sometimes people aren't able to because they you know, I got my kid with me. So I can't take the person to the class or money or all these other different things. And I like the way that they're, you know, dealing with those intangibles that get in the way or, or that could be, you know, real barriers. I mean, not everybody has money for this and can travel and have to find people to watch their kids. So I'm really happy that they're addressing that element of things. And now you're making it more feasible for people to attend the class. So, man,
1: this is big, man. I'm loving this idea. I mean, I, I think that'll definitely encourage more people to go. I mean, they didn't really talk about this in the article, but I was just in terms of thinking about it, I was just wondering like kind of how they're funding it, right? Because like whether this is just something that they're doing, like whether they have business, do business, another place. And this is just something that they're doing for the community, whether they have a grant or something, because again, that's, that's another reason why I'm not trying to be funny, but you kind of see SES, you kind of see individuals like a higher socioeconomic status in these classes. Right. Because, yoga could be like uh, some of these yoga classes would be like $150 a month for these packages. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, now again, there are places where they try to make it affordable, like what they were talking about in this article. And it's like the drop-in class where you just have a donation, right? But but for most studios, they'll do that like once a week for one hour, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's Wednesday at 4.30 to 5.30. And every other, every other hour is part of the package. Yeah. And these things get pretty expensive. So I'm just wondering, you know, again, I'm not saying who can afford it and who can't, because I don't have any idea. I'm just wondering how they're putting together the program. Because if you had a situation where you could offer it, you know, for free or for at a reduced rate to kind of get more people to be exposed, that would be a good thing, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, I imagine that, like you said, they didn't really. Um Provide those details, but I imagine it's uh, like a, a non-profit. A lot of times, when you're charging and go to a donation, you can, you know, make it and have like a non-profit situation, and you're able to offer those type of things. But that that's good, you know. I'm I'm hoping that, um, and you're starting to see this a little bit more, like in schools. Some certain schools are right, going right, right. to introduce mindfulness yoga. I feel like if it's something that we introduce to kids in these lower SES it's if they're getting, you know, exposure to it at a younger age, then it's not so foreign, right? right then you're right. able to be like, hey, you know what? I did this when I was younger. It was helpful. And then they're more, you know, it's more of a higher probability that they're going to be able to say, you know, maybe seek out. And then if it's in their own community, even better. So I'm hoping this continues to be a, um, a growing trend. And, you know, my hat goes off to to both of these, uh, these yoga practitioners. I think something they also mentioned was, with more practitioners, more black practitioners than more people. So which makes sense, right? If you got somebody that looks like you, you got more education, like that makes such a huge difference, right? If you got someone that the practitioners or the instructors, you know, are black also, especially black males, then it's like, all right, yeah, you know, because then it turns in that that sense of community gets even stronger. You're coming in, you're hearing yeah. music, you're having, you know, regular conversations about different things before and after class or during. So, you know, it makes it more friendly. You feel more home, feel comfortable. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy that the percentage of pro yoga practitioners is, is, is growing also with this.
1: I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Um, again, I don't have anything to add to that. I was going to say the same thing, just personal experience. I've seen very few yoga teachers of color. You know, the ones I have seen, they've all, all been females, great, great teachers, you know. Um, I've been happy to see them in class when I, you know, when I did see them. Um, but I only bring it up to say I, I haven't seen any males, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where we go back to representation, right? Um, and again, because even though I saw, you know, some females of color Teaching a class, it definitely wasn't, it's not enough to even say it was it's you know, approaching equal, equal representation. So again, it's just one of these things where I see people that I interact with, and we're just talking anecdotally, like not, not resistant, but just curious, right? So when I tell people I do yoga, they always look at me like I got four heads on, you know, on my shoulders. Um, you know, and then they'll say one or two things I'm not gonna really repeat right now you know, cause ignorant, but, um, those are my friends. But then when I talk to like kids and stuff about it, they like, you know, they'll probably make a comment, you know, like a laugh and joke, you know, but, but then they're intrigued. Like they want to know a little bit more, you, right. you, know, you know what I mean? And that comes from, you know, them being like, Oh, well Dr. J do it. You know what I mean? So they just want to know a little bit more. And then when we talk about trauma, you know, the benefits, um, in terms of you know teaching some of these skills to to the clients you know i could go on for hours about that because i use it in practice now but again a good thing so you know anybody who has never taken a yoga class just want to encourage you to uh make that make that your pandemic uh uh promise make that what you're gonna change during the pandemic that you're Absolutely. gonna try one yoga class
0: yeah. And you know what? And the thing is, you can also try it in privacy in your own home, right? Like they have yoga classes on YouTube. So you can try that. Like you said, if money is an issue, you know, just doing something that, um, like you said, is, is helpful, you know, and reducing stress, your trauma. Um, and then also for the guys, I know, like you said, sometimes you get comments and different things. I've gotten them too. Listen, man, you know, um, I'm, I'm gonna meet you where you're at, right? Yoga has a lot of females in those classes. I'm just saying. So you know,
1: well again,
0: you know, you go to yoga. Yeah, I, and it's I it's uh, you know, sometimes we gotta we gotta you gotta motivate them in there. So you know, you meet some nice nice young ladies that you know got the head on straight at at, at yoga. So you know, just that's also an, an additional benefit to the health, of course. Oh yeah, you oh, know, yeah. but absolutely, like you said, you're wow. outnumbered. You know. I, Ain't nothing better than being in there, and you know you representing. You know, I'm just throwing that out. Listen,
1: if you meet somebody in there, you know they got healthy habits, and you know they're working on their emotional regulation. You're halfway home. There you go.
0: There you go. All right, all right, another, man. stay staying with uh, the, the the creative arts, and staying with health. Right. Um, another article, another feel good article. Uh, involves a hip hop music ah, hip hop musician, uh, from Chicago. On the south side, is uh, he's helping fund mental health uh, services while also combating food insecurity. Um, mm-hmm. His coffee shop, so I'm liking this also. And as I was reading the article, like he's using his coffee shop to normalize therapy. So right. he holds coffee house style events um, at his place of business, and then he connects people in need of therapy with therapists. So, um, and, and, you know, this is prompted by his own experience in therapy and, um, you know, he uses for folks that are reaching out that are in need of therapy, you know, the proceeds from his events go when they actually pay for people to get therapy. So it kind of offsets the cost and such. So, uh, again, I I couldn't be more happier, uh, knowing that, you know, this is, this is taking place, especially on the South side of Chicago. Um, so, you know, what were your thoughts as, uh, you were reading, that's what you take?
1: Oh, this is excellent. Um, you know, anybody who hasn't, check out the website, Coffee, Hip Hop, um, and Mental Health. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, their goal, educate and, and, and find mental health services while combating food insecurity. I mean, they are literally connecting people with therapists for free, free of charge. Um, it's doing a lot. We're talking about stigma, reducing stigma. I mean, you're getting people together to kind of talk about these issues and put them out on the forefront um normalize some of these issues. I mean, again, I think it's a big deal. I actually, I, I didn't think about this when I was um reading this, but I actually, I believe it was these guys because this concept is very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at, um I don't know if it was uh, the Isaiah, I don't know if it was Isaiah, no, Winona's House Conference for Child Abuse and Neglect last year at Montclair State. I think they were there or another Ooh. conference. Um, and they were kind of just talking about what they do. And listen, man. Um, And if it wasn't, it was a similar organization. So shout out to them too. But the bottom line is, you know, this is something that was funded by this guy Christopher Lamarck, after he went through, you know, some experiences on his own. And he kind of said that what, what saved him was hip hop, you know, and therapy. Um, and I just, man, this kind of story just kind of warms my heart because, you know hip-hop has always been an outlet for me um and you know in terms of mental health um and kind of what it has done in terms of you know helping me help other people and then helping (laughs) helping me kind of change things about myself too and you would do a deep dive in myself you know i'm 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 just grateful right um you know, but I but I think this is a great thing. And again, if anybody hasn't checked out this website, it's Coffee Hip Hop and Mental Health.
0: Yeah. Again, this you know this guy he, and his organization is addressing some of the barriers because there are a lot of people that want to get treatment or get help. Um, and once you get past the barrier of stigma, it's financial. Right, well, so we but, have to always keep that in consideration. There are plenty of people that do want to get treatment, but sometimes they're not able to afford it. You know, various insurances are going to maybe pay for all of it, or maybe only a few sessions, or a half, or copay, all these other different things. And you know, we have to keep that in mind. And if you are able, you're, you're fortunate enough to find an organization such as this, which is going to pay for you, um, to go to therapy, like that's that's gold, you know, like, big, that's big, some of the things that. Um, I'm hoping with this story that more people are picking up. You know, I'm even as I was reading this, I'm just like, damn, what you know, why didn't I come up with this? Something like that, like right. this is an idea you know, you want to pass out to other organizations or other therapists or private practices, um, that we're, that we're knowledgeable of because you want to bring in and get as many people support and treatment as possible. Um, and I also like the aspect that this helps build partnerships within the community, right? So you have. His coffee shop is, is connecting with other organizations that want to connect with, page, with uh, potential clients, and everybody's getting involved, and everybody's winning. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely a network that I hope continues to build and continues to grow. Um, this is a great idea that I know I'm going to pass on to other people, um, his website, and just hopefully more innovative ideas can continue to, to come from these ideas. So, this is um
1: this is great, man. I love this. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially... You know, we know Chicago, it's a, it's a lot going on out there, um, a lot of positive things, but then also a lot of violence. So um, a lot of people with trauma out there. So it's a good thing, you know.
0: Absolutely. And uh, before we get out of here, I saw some research that came across the desk and I wanted to get your input on it. Right. So uh, some research has shown that the active ingredient, uh Ingredient, I'm sorry, uh, silos, been, which is uh, an active ingredient in magic mushrooms, we all know what those yeah. are, um, have been found to be useful in treating depression, anxiety, and mood disorders. These magic mushrooms, can, uh, they can get your brain back to where it was before the feelings of depression set in. So question for you, Dr. J, if more research has gone through and it goes through FDA approval and all those different things, would you... Prescribe mushrooms for your patient.
1: Um. Well, I'm not prescribing anything. But what I'll tell you, is, what I'll tell <laughs> I mean, you, is, states, um, man. You never know. Nah, 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 you know? I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen. I read that like like four or five times when I was reading this article. FDA approves. Right. You know how much time you probably would have got for some getting caught with some mushrooms in this country three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. I... FDA approved. It's just crazy how far we we come, right? Um, I understand. I thought it was crazy at first when I looked at it on the surface, just looking at the, the title, right? I think it's crazy, MVP, bro. <laughs> when I look at when I look at the science behind it, and they start talking about the rewiring of the brain, mm-hmm. specifically when we talk about depression and mood disorders, I get it, and I get why it could be affected. Um. Now, the the one question I have is, like, regardless of who you give this to, I'm very sure that it has to be administered in a very controlled environment. You're not going to give somebody mushrooms and send them home or give them mushrooms and allow them to drive home. So my thing is, like, how are you going to regulate that? You you know what I mean? Um, Because... I mean, are you just going to give people mushrooms and then they're going to go sit in a room and they got to be monitored for an hour before they can leave? You understand where I'm getting at? Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because we're obviously we're talking about. I mean, we psychedelics. You know, we we all know what the fear is: is people having a bad trip. You know, I wouldn't know either way, but that is always the fear, right? Um, when we see people under the influence of that, um, it can go left. So, how do you control for that besides just whether or not somebody is honest about, you know, their history, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like um,
0: <clears throat> there's definitely going to have to be um, in the manner of practice of how that's going to be, if it does come to fruition at the approval and, and everything of that nature, that administration or administering this ingredient or the mushrooms overall is definitely going to have to be, Like you said, in in a controlled environment, maybe in an inpatient setting or something rather, because like you said, taking someone else, there's going to every, every medical uh, treatment has side effects. It's just the way it works. Right. right? So that you're going to have to really take in consideration of how when you're you're you know, administering this to a client of what are all those different things. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to see and, and follow and, and see how this is, you know, this is going to continue to develop. You know, when I thought about this, the, another question that jumped in um, to my head was a lot of states are now coming to the point where they're legalizing marijuana. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's always been a question that I've gotten, especially with, you know, with a lot of clients or um, my take on, marijuana and with therapy and with, with clients. And I think a lot of people or a lot of clients were always thinking that I was automatically just because of being a clinician and a therapist that I'm going to condemn it. Right. Because it's, 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 drugs. It's, it's, I'm going to come up from this, in this very stoic, you know, point of view or perspective. And, um, you know, that's never for me, never been my stance, you know, I understand the, the medical benefits of marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, it's now becoming, it's being regulated, right? It's being legally and, and regulated by the government in a lot of states that are, you know, before you know it, almost all 50 states are going to be, you know, right. like marijuana. And so uh, what's your thoughts about as far as legalization of marijuana and how that, you know. I mean, I've I, kinda, listen, I've
1: always kind of viewed it the same way i view alcohol. You know, it's that, that's always kind of been the elephant in the room professionally and non-professionally that nobody has wanted to talk about, right? right? So, you know, most people, you know, they know a lot of professional individuals that use marijuana. We know clients that, have, you know, manage symptoms of disorders with marijuana, and that's been their preference for years. To me, this is just the field and the law catching up to society, mm-hmm. right? Because society decriminalized marijuana a long time ago um, and stamped its its mental health and overall health effects, the benefits, right? We're really, it's it's really an old debate. You know what I mean? The only, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm, I'm gonna be very honest. I, I was about to get political. I don't wanna do that. But the only people that are really still kind of debating is politicians that have one more race to run, right? Everybody else has made their mind up. Because the science is clear, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the people that are still saying, uh, um, you know, um, that want to point to the Reefer Madness movie argument, you know, where marijuana is going to make you crazy, they—they have most of them have a horse in the race, right? You know, they don't want to offend conservative voters or this person, but the science has been there, you know. Um, So for me, marijuana is kind of kind of an old discussion to me. I've seen the medical benefits um, and and I've always kind of looked at it like alcohol. Um, I got a question for you though. In this article, they said that mushrooms had long lasting medical and spiritual benefits. So we, we talked about the medical piece. So you tell me, enlighten me about the spiritual benefits of mushrooms. I I don't know where they was coming from. What do you think they was talking about? Um, I
0: I feel like it's related to you know, that, like I said, that trip, you know, I think a lot of people are able to find spirituality in something that helps them. So mm-hmm. if people, if you're, if you've been able to take either you're teasing out this active ingredient or it's just magic mushrooms overall, and you found them to be helpful in your depression or your mood or, or, or what have you, then I think people liken that to a spiritual concept, right? Because it is gonna give you somewhat of a probably an out of body experience. Again, I can't speak from personal experience, uh, but I imagine you're not gonna be in the same, you know, thought process or framework that you are when you're not taking the mushrooms. So I can imagine it's kind of similar to a situation where people are using the what the, the uh, what's it called, the CBD oils and um, mm-hmm. using that. So that's what I'm liking the spirituality because folks have made that a whole spirituality thing, right where there's so many different CBD oils they do it in their own spiritual concept rituals all the whole nine right so that's what I'm liking that to for those where I guess where it is legal or people have been practicing it I think in Denver I believe some folks are already using uh, right. the mushroom thing I saw that. so, um that's what I'm I'm guessing, or uh, that there—that's where the spirituality concept or the spirituality piece comes oh, into where maybe there are different mushrooms and it's different levels and different extent. But I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I, I mean, maybe I mean, you, you know—these mushrooms.
1: From what I heard, they, they take you someplace. Man, <laughs> <laughs> I already I don't even know where to know. they take you, but they take you I, someplace. I, I, I want to know, bro. Like my question was. Just Now, we ain't even talking about science at this point. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. I understood the depression and the mood disorder part of it. I didn't understand the anxiety part because I thought, like, I'm, I'm, my mind be spinning. So when I first thought of it, I'm like, well, tripping, going on a trip would probably make somebody that has anxiety, it might make them worse. I mean, I, I don't know. That's what I would think. You know what I mean? Um, Depends on the trip. explain it to me, you know? What'd you say? So it depends on the trip. That's what I mean. Like, but, but bro, like we all know people who are anxious or are like introverts and they drink alcohol and then they become mass social, right? Right. So along that trend, if you're giving somebody mushrooms to deal with their anxiety, are they going to have to keep taking mushrooms? Like what, what is it? You understand, like I understand the depression part of it, right? When mm-hmm. you're talking about rewiring the brain they're talking about lasting effects for for years or whatever. I'm just wondering how it works with that with the with the anxiety, especially when when you're talking about like social type stuff you know um because I mean, again, if it's lowering
0: inhibitions, right the same way how alcohol can do um mm-hmm. I mean maybe it does that person's more lively right like you said if it's rewiring things again i I, I don't know. You know, that, that's a good question, but you're obviously not yourself, right? <laughs> if when you're, when you're taking these things, it's, it's altering some form. If it's rewiring, you know, the receptors and transmitters in your brain are obviously that's going to have a behavioral effect on you. So if you're usually anxious, possibly about a certain situation, or maybe just overall you're taking this, that's going to change your stance and your behavior on something. So maybe, maybe depending on how much you take, you know, i that's you know, I think that's to be also taken
1: into consideration. I, listen, I don't know because all right, now listen, when I think about mushrooms, and I'm probably I'm wrong, but I think about like hallucinogenic drugs, right? So I think about smokey in the pigeon coop on Friday, in, in the movie Friday. You know what I'm saying? That's what I think about when I think about hallucinogenic drugs. So that, that's just where my mind goes. That has nothing to do with science, it's just a comment. But I picture somebody with experiencing anxiety and then having no symptoms it just take me somewhere else. But again, I know that's not what they're talking about with the science. But I just, again, when you start talking about hallucinogenic drugs, it just sounds weird, you know. But if if, if they have the science to back it up, you know, I'm I'm all for it. But obviously, there's things that needs to be worked out, like you know, again. How are they going to regulate it? You know, how can it be done in a controlled environment and stuff like that? You know,
0: I believe this is also the same ingredient. I could be mistaken, but I believe this is also the same active ingredient that's in Mali. Right. So, you know, Mali was a pretty popular drug and it seemed like a lot of people were having fun on Mali. You know you go to the club you're you know you want to let loose you pop you pop them mollies you you're feeling yourself you're doing all of this and all kinds of stuff I don't you know you know it doesn't matter how anxious you are about going to the club you pop that molly you you're feeling yourself you know so maybe that's maybe that's in theory that's what I'm thinking because you know I'm thinking okay you let loose when you're doing this trip but depending on and you know the way they synthesize this and you you've been in rooms with folks that have had Substance use issues. I mean, these do sound like mad scientists, right? The way that they're Mm -hmm. able, when they were into their vice and how they were, you know, like you you would think you are in a room with chemists. The way that they're able to take different forms of these ingredients and either make it solid, make it a liquid, free base it, all these other different things. Mm -hmm. Like they can, they take these ingredients and they they do what they want. Sometimes they're, they're synthetic, right? So, you know, they're able to manipulate a lot of these different ingredients in these these chemicals and you have different effects so like we've seen you know crack and cocaine are essentially the same but you've also seen different reactions with the right depending on the person right. so right. that's what i was thinking in theory because i had the same question about the anxiety but if this is the same ingredient that goes into molly you you're no you're not anxious when you're on molly
1: i mean i can yo i can totally dig it but my question is I don't know when this study came out, but if that, is what, if, if, if that is what they're discovering, that illegal drugs, you know, lower people's anxiety and inhibitions, then we knew that for the last 50 years. All you had to do is go to any bar in America or go to any uh, uh, happy hour Christmas, office Christmas party. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I ain't trying to be funny, but we know illegal, we know alcohol and drugs lowers people's inhibitions. Inhibition. So... Somebody who's anxious, you know, or like we said, or, or more introverted, some people, you know, may become more a little bit more social. And, and you know, so to me, the the, the the most important part about this was kind of the depression and the mood disorders. The anxiety part, I'm not saying obviously they wouldn't have included it if it wasn't accurate, but I just got to read up a little bit more about that because... It sounds a little crazy to me.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's definitely two elements of it. Like you said, you have the chemical aspect as far as the depression and the mood of where they say, quote unquote, getting the brain back to where it is, neurotransmitters and the serotonin levels. You know, I don't put it past any type of drug that can probably rework or rewire some of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, like you said, this is a lot of these drugs. were not. This isn't this isn't news, Right. But however, you got to look at the FDA and the government and then the state approval. How are they going to regulate this? AKA, how how is the state and the government gonna make money off of this? How they gonna make money? Right. That's that you know and I know that's the reason why it's been a state by state legalization of marijuana because we gotta figure out, okay, you know, it's bad. Uh, wait, we can start making money off of this. All right, let's let's get the workings. How, how, How can we do this? Oh yeah. So you know, so it'll be something to watch, man. You know, it's always good, like this modern medicine and, and these different various treatments that are coming out, and especially um, in treatment and in therapy. Um, you know, it's always always good to stay upon, you know, the uh, these advancements. So we'll stay tuned.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: All right, um, but that that's all I got. Uh, anything on your end that you wanted to get across before we roll out of here?
1: I mean, again, you know, rest in peace to Dante Wright. You know what I mean. Rest in peace to Adam Toledo. Um, you know, it's too many Black Latinx kids, children being shot. You know, um, I ain't got no words, man. Like, I, I'm tired of watching murders on my phone, man. So hopefully, we're not talking about another one next week.
0: Because we, we didn't even talk
1: about all. We didn't talk about all of. No, we didn't.
0: We'd be here all day. We'd be, yeah. we could, you know. Um, and and with that, I just want to continue to tell people, um, you know, unfortunately, with all of these events, please make sure you're taking care of yourselves. Uh, unplug if you need to. Don't continue to watch this, you know, these videos and these snippets that are coming out. Um, even with the trial that's going on, the testimony. I mean, this is you're reliving it when you hear these stories and, re- and when you're watching it. So please, everyone, uh, stay informed, but balance it out. Um, you know, because it can be very difficult. It can take a toll on you emotionally and mentally for continuing to watch and engage with it. So, you know, stay informed of what's going on out there in these events, but please make sure you're taking care of yourself. Do something. Self-care is big. Um, and you know, um again, acknowledgement of heart goes out to to the families though, of the people we're losing way too soon and unnecessary. So uh we appreciate everybody being here and listening and watching us, episode 10 in the books um listen watch comment subscribe again we're on youtube we're on spotify and all the other different areas and and podcasts that you're able to find your podcast in those platforms guys so um appreciate you guys listening and watching and being here all
1: right dr j till next time